welcome to each of you. Greet you in Jesus' name. Uh, just realized I checked the mic I'm wearing before I came up here and showed the batteries are full. When I turned it on this round, it said it's dead D, so could you send somebody up with some new ones? I think they're back there in the cupboard. I'll do the best. It might run for a little bit here. Um, so before I dive in here, I was needing, how many of you be willing to participate in the message this morning? Oh, come on, do better than that. Get your hands up there. Oh, everybody, I want everybody to help. 12 and older for sure, come on. Okay, uh, I'm going to go past this. I think some of you are missing something. I know when you're holding a small child, taking notes can be a bit of a problem. And when I say taking notes, you don't necessarily have to be taking notes of what I say because it may not be very wise, but you should at least have some of your own thoughts that are worth writing down, right? So uh, I'm going to pass this around. I'm going to start up here. If you need a paper and a pen, go ahead and just grab it. If you got your own, that's fine. I'll just pass it. And uh, the pens will have to go across the back and come up front because I only have one container. So if you need a paper, go ahead and start this. There's especially some things I'd like for you to write down, but we'll get to that later. Maybe while that's happening, a bit of an explanation and also just for openness. Uh, I know I'm preaching a little oftener than I should, uh, so I'll tell you why that is, at least partly. The next uh, three Sundays, I'll be gone. Uh, next Sunday, we'll be in Louisiana and decided to just spend Sunday there, probably attend a local church rather than travel. And then the uh, next Sunday, I plan to be in Mexico with my brother and dad down there near Mexico City. And the following is the ordination in uh, Florida. And a superior told me I was supposed to be there, so I guess I'll be obedient. Uh, so anyways, uh, that's a bit of explanation there. So I'm preaching a bit out of turn so as not to be a shirker. Also, I wanted to echo Ernie there on your sharing, uh, whether it was, I think I mentioned the wood last Sunday, and also your love offering, and so on. Thank you very much. Um, I still think one of the, um, and not because you shared with me, but one of the defining traits of someone that's really following Christ is somebody that shares with others, and I think that's, uh, I'm really proud of how y'all do that, and God bless you for that, whether it's with whoever it is. Okay, so uh, I think I've said this. Actually, let me back up. I've got a number of questions, and then I also have some verses I'd like help to read. And I've noticed something funny in church is when uh, there's opportunity to participate. I would say there's somewhere around 10 people that do 90% of this participation. Have you ever noticed that? And so God bless those 10. It's not that I'm having a problem with those 10, but I do have a little bit of a struggle with the other 99 here or whatever it is. Um, I think you all could fire yourselves up a bit. So see, what, see if this works. Um, so what are some of the special abilities that God has kept for the crown of his creation? In other words, what are some things God has given to humans that animals don't have would be another way of saying that. Can you tell me a couple things real quick? I'm sorry? Sing it, okay? We can choose to follow God or not. Choice. Any others? The ability to 
Okay, reasoning, thinking. Any more? The spirit. Anything else? You all put up there? Conscience. Conscience. I might just abbreviate that. Anything else? Salvation. Okay. I'm going to connect that with the spirit, but that's great. Anything else? There's, you're really missing a big one. Some of them, some of these sort of hint at it, but you, I think you should still have that one. Okay, communication. Thank you. Communication, we'll just call that. Uh, are humans the only creatures that sing? Not to be picky, thanks for the, I just, something I was thought of when it was given. So, but I think they're the only ones, can we say? Would it be safe to say humans are the only ones that sing by choice with reason for spiritual reasons? Would that be fair? I'd say so. So I guess if we tie it together, we're still good. So good job. Okay, uh, some of you probably caught on by now, but let's go a bit further. What is one of the? Th what are a couple things you can name? However many you come up with that you do now that you will do in eternity. Okay, praising God. Anything else? Worship. Anything else? Okay, service. I'm not exactly sure how that's all spelled out, but good. Any more? You're thinking that's what matters to me? Okay, we had uh, that in a bit, but yeah. Anything else? There's a big one. I told you a couple weeks ago, so I was trying to see if y'all would remember or not. Love. Yeah, you love. Uh, so in uh, some of those overlap, I'm going to say that the, uh, the main ones that we have clearly spelled out are singing and loving in eternity. Now, that said... Uh, evidently we will worship I don't dispute that at all now I do think worship in heaven is going to be a little different than what I think of worship here right because Christ is going to be there in front of me and so worship will be somewhat more of a that's getting myself in trouble I was going to say physical thing I guess in a spiritual physical sense you got me because uh, I won't be in this physical body but so it's going to have some different nuances so the message this morning, I'm just simply going to call an introduction to music. Really, the message I preached last on built, what foundation am I building on was really the first in this series. And if I seem a bit repetitious, it's probably because I need it. And secondly, I've noticed something, uh, and I'm not asking for that, don't take me that way, but when you get to preach consecutive messages from one day to the next, you can share some stuff and people remember it. When it's three or four weeks between messages, uh, a good percentage of that went out the window for a good percentage of people. So I deliberately repeat the things that are, to me, what I want you to remember. So bear with me if you think it's getting too much that way. So focusing on music, singing, what is music? Anybody want to just tell me what's music? Give me a brief description. Okay, a harmony of noise, I got you. Anything else? 
Okay, two. So that was one of my next questions, and Laban sort of answered that. How is music different from noise? How is music different from noise? Uh, and we get a little foggy the way we use the word music. Have you ever heard somebody... Well, say if your child is real sick and they're almost too sick to cry, I'm talking fairly young, and then they get well and they start shouting around again, uh, a parent might say that's music to my ears, Well, even though it lacks musical qualities by most metrics. You follow what I'm saying? Uh, so, and there can be other things. In fact, uh, there's an argument, if those of you that like arguments want to get started on this one, I'm not going to spend much time, but there's an argument whether music is done in the writing or in the hearing. Uh, so it's a little bit down the line of if a tree falls in the forest, nobody's around, does it make a sound in my book? But is music in the writing or in the hearing? And speaking of music, I'd like for you to understand a couple things. I'm going to speak broadly because in an audience like this, there's a couple people that are going to think I jumped off the deep end already. I'm not going to follow me what I'm saying. And there's a couple others that are going to probably be able to go further than what I could and they're going to think I, I could have said that different and I, I accept that. That's, uh, I think that's why nobody, no sane person tackles a subject like this, I decided. I had a lot of friends, I said, uh, so I said somebody suggested I preach on music and they're like, oh yeah, it's great, you ought to do that. And I said, okay, great, you're going to help me. Well, i help you, but don't mention my thoughts and stuff. Oh, well, not really, some didn't do it quite like that. But, and maybe it's because I do a poor job of representing their thoughts. At the same time, I think it's something that intrigues at least a fair bit of us. At the same time, there's a lot of different ideas and things. So I'm going to speak in general, and if you want to rebuke or correct me, go ahead. The message this morning will not actually be, can I say, I don't think it's going to be controversial or challenging for the most part. I'd like to say I lay a foundation for one down the road where I'm going to get a bit harder on some things. But this is more just to educate you if you want to say it that way, to give you information for what I want to share at a future time. So in speaking of music, especially as I'm talking to a group of Anabaptists, Amish Mennonite background people, a lot of you, I'm going to just be clear what I share would be applicable and pertinent to both a cappella no instruments and instrumental and accompanied music. Uh, my goal, I may enter into why we are where we are and some of that at a later message, but again today what I'm talking about is simply music in any, any, produced in any way with any instrument, be it voice, piano, whatever else you're talking about. I think the things I want to touch on would basically work on no matter how you're producing that. Okay, so what is music? Um, it was already mentioned it's the a harmonious noise or yeah sound is music is music a form of communication what would you say yeah. okay so music is a form of communication is music more than a form of communication When you sing, are you simply communicating or are you doing something more than simply sharing a thought or idea? Okay. Fair enough. But are you still, my question still remains, are you doing more than just simply sharing a thought or an idea? Okay. Um, I've had a couple people that could let me in the dust when it comes to music, and they told me it's definitely more than communication. So yes, 
It's not that I deny that there's a communication aspect in music, but even in worship. As I worship God, it's more than just talking to God, isn't it? It's sort of a thing of just lifting up who I am, my spirit, in communion with God. And so it involves communication, but to just call it strictly communication, I think, would be minimizing it. Um, I prefer personally to think of music as an expression, an expression of the spirit and its longings, an expression of emotion, be be that emotion joyful, peaceful, restful, confused, chaotic, troubled. And it also has a certain aspect of involvement of the physical in the hearing and in the feeling. Uh, You disagree with that, anybody? You're welcome to come and take over. Um, But I think that's a little bit what Brian said. Music speaks to us on multiple levels, and I'll dig into that a bit more later. But it is an expression of the spirit and its longings. When we open our song book and we sing, if you are worshiping God as you sing whatever song is chosen, it should be an expression of your spirit and its longing to walk with God, right? I think so. Now, if you go into town or wherever and you listen to some, let's just say, not good music, I'm not really going to get technical on that. Have you ever heard the longing of the spirit in that stuff? I have, thankfully. I don't often hear the words, but occasionally I run into it. Yeah, there's a spirit longing in there as well. Just go listen to it. Uh, This is not my research, but I've been told that the majority of country music involves broken relationships, broken homes and stuff. Why is it? It's because that's what people are experiencing, partly. And it's their longing for something, and yet they're stuck in this trap, and their music expresses it very definitely. It's also, of course, emotional. And uh, I like what Jonathan Edwards said, and I think Mennonites should maybe remember that a bit more. He said that where worship is just an emotional experience, it's just that, nothing more. But he said where worship lacks emotion, you've got a problem, and I'm paraphrasing. And I would agree with that. I think our singing, our preaching should have some emotion in it, right? Because it's, it's, it's part of who we are and our emotions do get involved when something is precious or near to our heart. And in that said, uh, can you sing the song, Are You Happy and You Know It, without getting a little bit of physical involvement? I don't think so. Uh, and it's, and it, it all flows. And a bit more on that later. If you go to sleep, I'm going to make you sing up and sing that song, okay? So take notes hard. Okay. These expressions... I should say, in these expressions, or because of these expressions, music, the influence of music, and the power of music goes beyond that of the words that are contained in the words or the lyrics, the message. Multiple words for different things here. Here's a question I ask a number of people. Should music only be used in worship? Should music only be used in worship? I've heard that thought in some circles. I don't know if I've heard it here. I just uh, so sort of get you thinking. Is it okay to sing things other than worship? I think, I'll tell you a little bit, I think music is a gift God has given us. And just as writing, speaking, some other things are a gift, they definitely need to be used for good purposes, right? At the same time, to say it's totally restricted to worship, I think would be losing something. I am personally... um, I don't know if I have a good illustration, but sing some children's song. And they don't necessarily all have to have uh, just a 
overpowering spiritual focus to be a vital. Uh, yeah, maybe watch the message, watch the lyrics, and we'll get into more of that as we go on. Uh, and the, the tunes sometimes can have an effect as well. We don't treat the other gifts that way, and I'm a little baffled why we would this one, but again, I'm open. Maybe more on that some other day as well. So, here we go. Is music an important aspect of life? Now, that answer is going to vary by who you are, right? Some of you say, well, I don't know. I don't miss it a whole lot. And some of the rest of us would think, ooh, yeah, you take all the music away. It'd be pretty boring or, yeah, whatever. Um, I'm going to say it is, and I want to let the Bible to speak on this one. Some of this stuff, I'm going, the Bible doesn't have just that much on it, so I'm going to try to... Uh, anyway, a little bit of that later. But let's look at what Scripture has to say on this. So those of you that find it hard to answer a question, why don't you read a verse for me? I've got some verses coming up. Um, what was the first song we know of and who was singing? Anyone? What was the first song in, the hist in biblical recorded history and who was singing? Anyone? I'm sorry? Moses? Oh, good try. He was second, third, uh, somewhere in there. Depends a little bit how you count and what you count. Anybody else want to try? Okay, I volunteered to look up Job chapter 38, verse 6 and 7. Somebody take that verse and go move on and come back to it. Anyone? TJ, go ahead. Job 38, verse 6 and 7. Thank you. Who was the first musician mentioned in biblical history? There you go. Good job. Uh, let's see. Why don't you look up, you answer the question, which is great. Why don't you look up Genesis 4, verse 21 and just read it. Who was the most prolific singer and songwriter mentioned in the Bible? David. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to give you a reference on that one or we wouldn't get anything else done the rest of today. So uh, go look at it. It's interesting. I just started typing in my search. Uh, uh, I have a Bible that I can search just song, singing, sing, sang. And, wow, oh, David just uh, got it covered. <laughs> uh, he, he's got that. So, why don't we go back to the first uh, song uh, and who was singing. Uh, do you want to just stand up, turn around and read that so they can hear it? Job 38, verse 6 and 7, please. Okay, thank you. So God talking to Job says, Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, referring to this earth, who laid the cornerstone thereof, when the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. So who was, who was singing? Stars. stars. Did you know, uh, here's an interesting side note, bunny trail for you. Did you know that um, with a radio telescope, a how can I keep this simple? But stars, you know, we, they give off light, right? And did you know light has frequency? And a frequency also is in radio waves. So with a radio telescope, as they listen to these stars, these stars actually still sing today. If you catch those frequencies and you put them into sound, and some of it's pretty amazing. You can find actually tracks of stars singing some places. But anyway, just an interesting side note. I'll, they're still singing today. They started at creation. They're still at it. Okay. Now, the sons of God shouting for joy, uh, that might be a little bit harder to find, but a uh, bit of interesting sound, wasn't it? 
Okay, who was the first musician mentioned in the Bible? He was right. It was Jubal. Uh, you want to go ahead and read that verse, Laban? Okay. No, good try. Okay, so uh, just taking these verses, uh, Jubal was, I think, the eighth generation after Adam, which those generations overlapped a bit more than generations do today. Uh, so where did music come from? God, exactly. He gave the song, he gave the, the stars a song. Of course, it came from God and man caught on. Uh, we're not exactly sure what that process was. Uh, to me, one of the sad things in doing this research was um, just seeing where the general public thinks music came from. And, oh, they got this. We really don't know, but sometime in this bygone era, these poor, I guess, ape men started trying to copy birds or something, they think. Um, what a ridiculous notion. Um, the neat thing about music, if you really get into it, while there's different ways of explaining some things, it's actually very mathematical. And it follows laws and rules that God has put into nature. And of course it comes from God. And let's, at least some of it needs to go back to him. Okay. Now, uh, just more of a Bible quiz here. What common Bible stories and accounts mention singing or music very if you pick just very common bible stories i got nine and i'm not saying i could have kept going but let's just see if you can mention a couple just scatter across ladies uh, you can perk up here help us along here uh, what bible stories mention music or singing very common bible stories i've got nine that i think everybody in this room should know at least six to eight of them no problem Okay, children of Israel, Moses there, and Miriam was very involved in that song as well. That's an amazing song. Go read it. Uh, Exodus chapter 15. Very good. Uh, another Bible story that included a song. Paul and Silas in prison. So you got my first and my last covered. It's good. Uh, Paul and Silas in prison. What I thought was neat about looking at that story, again, it says the other prisoners heard them, so they weren't just sort of droning away in their cell and the prisoner like are they moaning or are they singing no they were actually singing because it says the prisoners heard them how about that okay so we've got uh, seven between first and last so let's go the last supper, the last supper and they had sang a hymn very good uh, somebody sang something over here okay thanks when david and saul came out all the Women came out singing. Uh, I think they should have chosen their song a bit more wisely because they made all kinds of problems with that song, but at least they were still happy. Uh, anyways, let's keep going. Good. Okay, the sound of music. They're supposed to fall down and worship. Great. Any more? I'm sorry? Yep, David sang for Saul. Some more? Yeah, I have, sorry, go ahead, didn't mean to, I have that one down here, is the strangest battle. <laughs> Can you imagine being Old Testament times now to us as Christians? Yeah, we, we face all our battles by singing, but uh, back then they were used to getting their swords and shields out and going to it, and here they left those at home and took their trumpets and their harps and went out and sang, and God fought. How about that? The most amazing battle. Y'all are doing good. That was Jehoshaphat, by the way, so good. Anyone else? Okay. Yeah, okay. Oh, there when they were crying out. Yep, I'm with you. Thank you. What did he say? He said if 
the children and the people there didn't sing and shout whatever they were all doing that the very stones would cry out so anyway there was one starting up over here I think was it okay I think you're t talking about the same time but that's great thank you both anything else right I used there I, I just noticed it says David and all Israel sang I think it I might have the wording a little twisted, but the phrase with all their might was in there. <laughs> I thought it would be interesting. How about we'd sing someday with all our might? It'd get a bit noisy in here probably. So anyway, keep going. Anybody, anybody can think of anything else? Angels at Christ's birth. Angels at Christ's birth. Good. Well, you all have some I didn't have, so I'm just going to give you your thinking. That's great. Uh, there's a couple we missed that sort of intrigued me. First one I had was the song of Moses and Israel, Aaron, uh, Miriam after the Red Sea. Then the second one I had, somebody recently talked about the bronze serpent here, didn't they? I forget. Let's try to remember who. I just remembered what they said about it. And uh, what was sort of neat is if you keep reading just after the bronze serpent, they actually needed water again. And I usually accuse the children of Israel being quick to complain. But in this instance, they gathered together and they sang while the big shots dug a well. Um, just my way of saying it says the elders dug a well. So I thought it was sort of interesting that everybody got to sing while the, the important people got to work hard. So it was just sort of a unique story. I thought maybe I quit reading that too quick. It's sort of neat. Uh, the other time they sang, not in a good sense, was at the Golden Calf. Uh, let's see. We had uh, women coming out after David killed Goliath. Oh, the completion of a temple there with Solomon involved a lot of singing. Uh, the strangest battle was mentioned. The image there in Daniel. Another one that was not mentioned is the older brother, when he first knew his brother returned, was when he heard the sound of singing in the house. Uh, just uh, interesting there in Luke uh, 15. Of course, they had Paul and Silas. Okay, good. You're coming along great. So let's see if we can make uh, this a little bit more complex. Who is witnessing of God and singing in Romans 15, 9 without looking? Anyone? Who is witnessing of God and singing in Romans 15, verse 9? Okay, one of you ladies want to volunteer to look that verse up for me? Just raise your hand. Anita. Um, who said in the midst of the church will I sing in... Will I sing praises unto thee? Hebrews 2.12. Who's singing in the middle of the church? Anyone? Okay, another lady want to read that verse? Uh, Leanne, thank you. What is the result of peace and thankfulness in the heart when combined with the study of the word? You can make a guess, but I wonder how you many of you know. So let's have a fellow look up Colossians for me. Who wants to do that? And I'll give you the reference. Blummer, uh, do Colossians um, 3, verse 15 through 17. And what should a cheerful or happy person do in James 5, 13? Uh, let's just have somebody want to look that one up for me. Just read it. Uh, Dan, go ahead. Okay, so back, who is witnessing of God and singing in Rome, Romans 15, verse 9? Uh, do you mind reading that for us? Okay, maybe just listening to the verse, it's a little hard to catch, but if you read some verses before, it would indicate that Christ 
Christ is singing and to the, he's witnessing to the Gentiles, my words, witnessing to the Gentiles and singing of Christ, or singing of God. Isn't that interesting that Christ sings of the Father? Uh, just sort of an intriguing thought to me. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12. Okay, there are Christ again. In the context, it's Christ uh, saying he's going to talk to his brethren, which is really us as we follow Christ, follow him, and uh, that he witnessed to us and sings. Okay, what does a spirit-filled person do? Uh, excuse me, I skipped that one. Anybody want to look up Ephesians 5, verse 18 through 20 for me? Uh, Fred, go ahead. Okay, let's move on to the others. So Colossians 3, verse 15 and 17, please. if we actually practice this quite like it's worded uh it almost sounds like we should be singing to each other and witnessing to each other what god has done so maybe next sunday we should have two of you come with songs that you wrote about what god did for you that week uh, just a thought but uh yeah just a special thought there uh, james chapter 5 verse 13 Okay, and that's in the context of the scripture that we often use for anointing with oil. And let me reassure you, I believe that's a great practice. But I think it's just as important that we sing when we're merry. If we look the word merry up, it says cheerful, happy. So if you're cheerful and happy, sing. Let people know it. Uh, be like Paul and Silas. I don't know. Just thinking, maybe next time... I don't go to Walmart that much, but maybe next time I'm in a big store, I should start singing. You know, it makes me think some years ago, it's actually maybe not that long ago, maybe it was last year. Almost wonder if it wasn't. Uh, Dad-in-law, we'd been over in Tennessee, and Dad-in-law and I went to a store over there near Gatlinburg. That's where it was. And my youngest daughter enjoys music tremendously, and she was just in the cart, and it was a happy time for her, so she followed this verse and was singing there in the cart, and it was interesting to me. I guess I should have helped her. I would have had too much fun watching other people. They would actually stop their shopping and look at her, and some would sort of go on, and there was an older lady that came, and just, oh, she was so proud of her. Anyways, it's neat. Maybe if we'd all sing at Christmas time, we could keep the focus on Christ a bit more, so you go Black Friday shopping, you got a job. Um, okay. Uh, let's go back up to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20, please. Okay, thank you. So what does a spirit-filled person do? They sing, right? So if you've been missing out on this part, I would encourage you to start singing. And don't, here's one thing. Maybe as I get into the rest of this, I'll be damaging the very point I'd like for you to do. So let me just clear that up. Is I think it's important you sing whether you know how to sing or not. Does that make sense? And I'm not saying you have to, if you struggle a bit following notes and stuff, that you have to 
roar the loudest on Sunday morning and see if you can drown out everybody that's trying to sing on key necessarily. But I'd say put your heart into it. And if it's nothing but the chickens or the cows or the ducks or the deer, uh, I don't know if the deer are going to like it if you're out there singing too loud, but, you know, let them hear it. It's uh, not going to hurt anything. And uh, if nothing else, I wasn't going to get into this, but recorded music is a blessing and a curse, and I won't explain my statement at the moment. But we have so much of it. Turn some on and sing with it at least. At least uh, you can still have some of the benefit. Okay, I'm going to move on. I have a number of things to cover. So review. I'd like These are things I told you. So I'd like for you to, to write these down specifically because I would like for these concepts to follow you the rest of your life. So let's see if we can do this. Can or does evil create anything new? I've told you this before, so tell me. Can evil create anything new no evil never creates i guess i won't bother writing up but you can write it in your own way evil never creates anything what does it do it takes what god has made good and twists it so let's just write evil never creates evil can only take that which god created for good and twist it and contort it into something for selfish purposes, really. Put, get the focus off of God onto self. Evil contorts and distorts to selfish ends the good that God has created. And this is so true in music. It's true in everything, but music is very evident. Okay, again, review. The Bible gives us what that we are to live by. What does the Bible give us to live by? Two things. Teaching and example. Okay. Thank you. So the, in things taught in the Bible, I think you actually beat me. I should have probably said three, Titus, so thank you for correcting me. Um, I had what I had. I'll just give you what I had was truth and truth principles. And I do like what Titus said there. Because I totally agree is example as well. So we'll just add that. Because I think I need to be put, fixing that in my notes. So, thank you. So in what the Bible speaks to us, it gives us truth. Turn the other cheek. We talked about that the other week, right? Different things. And then truth principles are is when I told you, I think if you recall, I told you being not unequally yoked together with unbelievers doesn't mean that there's a danger of us going getting a wooden yoke and trying to hee-haw around, is it? It's a thing of not being in partnership with someone, right? So it's the truth principle. And then the example, I very much appreciate that addition. Okay. Does truth need application? You, I think you got it right, but somebody mind saying it? Does truth need application? Yes, of course. Okay. So we need application. I can uh, say all I want that I appreciate truth, but if I don't apply it, it's a joke, basically. Okay. Uh, then towards something. Very good. So as we talk about music, why is trajectory important? Quite a few months, I just asked her, I said, so what music do you like? 
and her tell you that I do not approve of Christian contemporary music in case you're wondering. <laughs> uh, at the same time in saying that, I'm not trying to set myself up in judgment against her in that she had a different starting point, right? And so I, I'm not really responsible for her, but I let's trust her that her goal is good music, godly music. Let's trust her that that's her goal. And in her journey right now, she is maybe you she finds herself in this christian contemporary stage and i can accept that to some degree that's not saying that i should because guess what if i have the same if if i have the same goal i'm starting at a different place so for me to go listen to christian contemporary because she can you know what if my trajectory is right i can't detour down to hers and still hit the goal right think of a shooting a rifle when I shoot, I can't possibly, I could shoot at the same bullseye as Weston. But even if we're side by side, we still don't have the exact same trajectory. We can have the same goal, but we don't. And if I try to have my rifle bullet go across Weston's bullet path and then come back to the bullseye, I'm going to miss. It don't work that way. You got to have your goal and your worry about your trajectory. Don't try to justify or excuse yourself based on where somebody else is in their journey. To some degree, let that with God, and I'm not disapproving of working together as a church at all in saying that, but let's remember trajectory, what you aim, what's your goal, and don't necessarily confuse that. Share someone else's goal, but don't confuse that with being able to copy them in every way. Okay, what were the core motivators? Anyone? Love. Love? Any more? Survival. survival and the other? So. so we have survival, which probably doesn't enter into music a lot. Uh, we have self, which actually enters into music a lot. And then we have love, which enters into music a lot. Uh, think of this a bit. Uh, what was the break? Does anybody, well, I'll just tell you. The breakdown I had given on selfishness was the defining traits or the, the way that selfishness expresses itself is in, is in doing things for self, in pride, and in fear. So apply this to music, again, hopefully out there. But as you listen to not good music, if you've heard any of it, have you ever noticed how much self there is in it? How much pride? How much fearfulness? How much selfishness? There's boatloads of it if you get into the wrong kind of music. It becomes all about self. Whereas as we're thinking about good music, it's a thing of love. And I, the breakdown I had given you, things that can define or show love, is thankfulness, humility, and joy. Notice in the Christian music how those attributes and their cousins, I guess I'll call them, how closely they're entwined into music and the expression of music, aren't they? Thankfulness, humility, and joy. Very much part of a Christian and his music. Okay, we're getting towards the end of this. I think the last one was spectrum. Who can tell me what spectrum is? Good. So we have a range. So we have good and evil, so to speak. And like I told you, very rarely does that needle, needle of my inclinations totally high center in the middle to where it's absolutely not good or evil because, you know, I've gotten a heart. 
And this heart, at least for me, is, has an inclination towards evil on its own. Now, as I become to Christ, I repent of my sin. I can have an, act, an inclination towards good. But it lets this spectrum to where, you know, there's some things. I gave you some illustrations. Amazing Grace. That's definitely a good song. But then there's some songs that are absolutely evil. We don't need to mention those. But we have this wide range. And that's where the battle is mostly fought is within the spectrum. That range between good and evil. And so it comes back to the core motivation. As I listen to music, as I consider this thing of music, what is my motivation? Is it one of self? Or is it one of seeking God? Because finally that's the only safe way to approach this thing. Okay. Uh, another question I had to ask you a couple weeks ago is... Just tell me whether this is true or false. If a little is all right, a lot is okay. True or false? False. Thank you. And I'm going to add another word here that I'd like for you to consider. I don't really think this is part of review, but diet. Diet. Who can tell me what a diet is? Thank you. It was interesting. How did I get to be my age and not have a better definition of diet in my head? I was sort of embarrassed of myself, honestly, because I looked it up and I thought of diet as, you know, sort of watching what you eat, uh, eating sparingly and all that. Well, that's actually not what diet means. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't have that connotation in some things, but uh, diet, according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is habitual nourishment something regularly consumed provided and experienced repeatedly did you notice something in those three sort of twin de or triple definitions habitual nourishment it's habitual something regularly consumed regularly and then it says provided and experienced repeatedly it's not a one time thing so I'm going to use the illustration of food here is it safe to consume ice cream and or Mountain Dew, whichever? I need to get as many of you along with me as I can. So is it safe to consume those? Is it safe to drink a can of Mountain Dew and go home and eat ice cream? What do you say? Is it? Okay. So it was interesting. All personal opinions and that aside, I did some research. So the medical field says that we, at this point, and you can disagree with them, I'm not arguing the point, but this is what they said. At this point, we don't have enough evidence to really say that you should not eat any ice cream or drink any Mountain Dew type drinks. But we do know enough to say that you should not habitually do it. In fact, in my research, I got across one fellow that drank 12 cans of Mountain Dew a day. And he made this statement, uh, he's quit doing it he made the statement that he said i knew i was gonna die i think he did i'm not arguing about that one bit um so what there there's uh somebody maybe can help me i think there's what i was reading about eating fish actually and there was something in there mentioned about a zero percent diet anybody familiar with that term but uh as i understood it you eat so little that it really doesn't register on your diet scale and they were saying that some fish is okay to eat a number of servings a week. And then they were saying some of these others, you can do one per week to one serving per month. 
uh, because of mercury and so on. And they said even in that case, your body can handle a certain amount, but you go, you go over that threshold, you start poisoning yourself possibly. And you know the same thing to some degree. I don't want to indicate that it is okay to have one day out of the year where you go listen to rock music or some other bad music and think it's not going to have an effect. That's not what I'm saying. At the same time, let's be honest and let's realize there is a difference between occasionally, whether it be for research or something a friend sends, there might be a difference between somebody that might listen to a Christian contemporary song and then move on into something else. It hasn't really damaged themselves, okay? Am I being clear? But now if they make a habit of feeding on that, sooner or later something that they're going to have to address in their life. Am I making sense? Just like uh, if I like to go home and eat a bowl of ice cream every evening after a while, if I'm serious about my health and serious about my weight, it's going to be like, Joe, you got to do something different. Same way with music, if I can use that analogy. It's not saying that I think we need to be careful. I'm not at all encouraging indulgence in wrong music. Am I clear? I'm just saying let's realize that in the spectrum from good to bad music, if you aren't overindulging, there may sometimes be a place to listen to something that you really wouldn't want to listen to on a regular basis all the time. Okay, so much for that. Uh, I'm ready for the last part here. As I get into some of the aspects of music a bit deeper, I want to tell you, just be upfront with you, I've, I need to give credit to many friends and sources that have helped me with this. I interviewed a number of people that I know and trust very highly in this subject, rather than just spouting my own ideas and things. And what's interesting is some of these people and resources gave similar or parallel ideas, and it's almost... I don't mean to uh, take credit for their work, so I'm going to tell you this at the same time. Some of this is so intertwined. What I share is such a hybridization of what various people and sources gave me. I can't really tell you this is where I got this and this is where I got that. So just bear with me. This didn't come out of my own thumb. Uh, where it's wrong, blame me. Where it's wise, you can give credit to that I just got some smart friends somewhere out there. Okay. What is music? How is music different from noise? And how is music more than communication? So here goes. Somebody told me if you're going to preach on this, you need to give us some demonstrations. So bear with me here. I'd like for you to tell me what this song is, if I can find it. Here we go. Let's see, make sure I got the right one. Some of you evidently know I'm going to let it go for just a little bit longer. How many of you know what song that was? Okay, well, how do you know? By the way, tell them what it was for those that didn't get it. Okay, thank you. How many of you got it by the words? 
I didn't think very many people here knew Romanian. I figured I was safe. Uh, so you didn't get it by the words. How did you figure out what song it was? Because you're all right. Want to tell me somebody that did? Okay, by the music. So there's something more than words and music, right? We just proved it. You don't have to know the words. You can still know the song. So in breaking this down, uh, why don't you get out your psalm books? Let's open them to song uh, number chapter. Uh, number 27 for the moment i'll be coming to it in a bit but in music there is many many ways to break this down the way i i really really struggled with this i want it to be complex enough to answer for why i'm preaching this message but i needed it simple enough that half the people don't get this glazed look on their eyes and go somewhere else so I'm going to try to hit the middle, and I'll probably miss it clean, but I just, at least, I'll have, um, feel good about having tried, I guess. So I'm going to break music. As you look at song number 27, for instance, I'm going to break it down into five parts. Uh, there's, some people say there's 12, some say there's 8, some say there's 16, and you can go, I mean, go help yourself. I'm not here to argue. A couple of my friends told me there's four, so there you go. I decided to go with five. That way I'm sort of halfway. Uh, no, it just made sense to me. So what are the elements of music? And rather than uh, asking you to tell me these, because we could have some of these have about four or five different words if you know music very well for almost the same thing. So the first one I'm going to give you is rhythm. So music has rhythm. Um, I was sort of disappointed in our new songbook, actually, because it didn't have a song that has a very nice, good rhythm that I wanted to sing, and I think everybody knows it. How many of you know the song Tread Softly here? Good. Let's stand and sing the first verse. And before, well, maybe we should just sing it. Actually, maybe I should tell you, since you don't have a songbook, and go get into the rhythm. And in rhythm... Uh, does anybody know what timing uh, Tread Softly has without looking? 4-4, four, four. Four, four, thank you. So 4-4 four, four is a march, march timing. Uh, basically, 1-2-3-4. Um, so it's interesting now, the song Tread Softly actually starts on a quarter note as a separate part of the measure. So the measure actually starts on the word silent. And I hear sometimes people singing this song wrong. They emphasize some of the wrong things because it's actually silent. So it'd be, uh, be silent, be silent. And um, uh, the way it's written. And it, let's just sing the first verse. Don't necessarily overthink it. Uh, let's see here. In case you just be silent, be silent. A whisper is heard, be silent. Be, and listen, oh treasure each word. Then the chorus treads softly here. Um, one thing about it is try to put real meaning into the words and see how the flow goes and think about the rhythm. Uh, that would be how it, one, like I said, one, two, one, two, right, well, it'd be one, two, I uh, got myself messed up. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. So think about that a bit. Be silent and let 
and all treasure each word. Tread softly, tread softly, the Master is here. Tread softly, tread softly, remain standing. Um, so even for those of you that aren't that deep into music, what's neat about this rhythm and sometimes where especially in the chorus I hear people singing it wrong is they'll put the emphasis on tread softly and it's tread softly. Uh, and that makes a big difference in the message because it's not tread, it's tread softly. Uh, and so that all written in. So okay you can sit back now. Now let's go back to number 27 in your song books. Uh, can anybody tell me quickly what a chord is? Okay. Thank you. So, um, the chord is, if you look at number 27, do you see the two fours on top of each other? Everybody can see that whether you know what they mean or not, right? So then you see the notes next to that. The chord is, uh, here's an interesting thing, there's four notes if you take, if you take all the four parts, you got four notes. But in a chord you only have three notes, so can anybody tell me how that works? Okay, so a chord is made up of three notes, up and down, and then the one always repeats. So when you have four parts singing, the one will always, I say always, I'm talking generalities, will always repeat one of the other parts, right? Probably most commonly, uh, bass is repeating one of the other parts, and that's where the harmony comes in. So um, back into the rhythm, how many of you have heard the, the term syncopation or syncopated? How many of you have any clue what it means? A couple people think they do. You want to come up and tell them? Um, so again, this, is not, this message is not about calling out trends, good and bad. It's simply information. So rhythm, in the rhythm we have words that we call meter, timing, and beat. And I was trying to get you to feel that. Uh, I'm not going to overbeat this too much. But a normal beat, uh, like the song we just sang, Tread Softly, also, Come Christians Join to Sing, has a 4-4, four, four, which that means that we have four beats in a measure. So you have Come Christians, and so Come has two beats, Chris, Chris and then Dien, uh, Christian between the two syllables has two beats. And like I told you, normal is one, two, three, four. Make sense? One, two, three, four. That's normal. Syncopation is one, two, three, four in that case. See how it reverses it? Um, and there's songs that we sing. I'm not going to make a big statement. I'd like for you to listen to the one. Uh, sometimes I didn't really. Singing, I was afraid you would get too absorbed in it. So let's see here. 
Antrim sings it, Since Jesus came into my heart has syncopation in it, and I thought it'd be fun for you all to be able to hear that. Um, if I can find this quickly. There it is. Nah, got the wrong one. Let me just search for it. And I'm even searching for the wrong one, no wonder. Now, Antrim, to their credit, uh, does not do this as badly as some. Well, now, why do you tell me no results found? That's funny. Uh, since. Well, did I get the wrong one? No, I don't. Had two of them here this morning. Let me just go see where they are. Sorry about this. Okay, so um, especially that phrase, since Jesus came into my heart, is syncopated. Uh, it's, it's a reverse from the rest. And so uh, I'll just let you listen to it one more time just to. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. It would be on a syllable that normally would not be in there. And uh, so enough on that. Uh, you have different different timings and stuff. Uh, let's sure how to... Another word I want to put up here is tempo. Anybody what tempo means? Anybody help me out there? So we're, here we were talking what's accented basically your this and now we're talking speed how fast basically is what your tempo would be. Um, so we have as fast or slow and it builds on the rhythm or the beat um, okay why don't you stand up let's sing uh, song number 27 just the first verse so like I said this has a 4-4 four, four, which gives us to some degree not totally our speed you can separate speed from rhythm at the same time when you have a 4-4 four, four, you sing it a bit faster than a 2 and an eight, normally an eight on the bottom would be sung a bit faster the other way. So let's just sing the first verse. And then we'll flip to another song. Come, Christians, join to sing. Hallelujah, amen. Loud praise to Christ our King. Hallelujah, amen. Let heart and voice before his throne rejoice. Praise in his gracious. 
just joys. Alleluia. Amen. Let's go back to number 13. Number 13, notice these notes look a bit different even if you don't read music, which is fine. I'm not trying to chorus anybody. But uh, here we have a two down there where we have the two numbers, which means that, anyway, basically it changes our timing, which also generally should dictate to some degree the speed of the song. I said you can sort of separate that, but let's just, oh, come let us worship when it sounds better if you don't sing it as fast as the song we just sang. So this one, don't really slow it down. We probably do it without trying, but let's just sing the first verse of, oh, come let us worship. Uh, let's see here, where am I? Oh, come, let us worship before our great Lord. Come, before Him in reverence and fear, with thanksgiving praise and Go to number 747, 747. 747 has a 9-8, which again, uh, like I said, that's somewhat for rhythm, but it's also helps with the timing. This song should be sung, at least in my opinion, uh, faster than any of the others we just did. Not stampeding, that's not what I'm saying, but just a little bit more keeping after it. Um, Let's just do the first verse again. Uh, let's see. Once I was bound by sin's galling fetters, chained like a slave, I struggled in vain. But I received the glorious freedom when Jesus broke my fetters in twain. Glorious freedom, wonderful freedom, no more in chains of sin I repine. Jesus, the glorious emancipator, now and forever, he shall be mine. Thank you. You can be seated. So I don't know. I think most of you should be able to pick up how in the same amount of time from 13 to 747, we were doing a lot more syllables of words, right? And that's because of how it's written in these things of rhythm and tempo. I've got a few other phrases. Get up here. Uh, we have harmony. Harmony is, well, Laban mentioned it way back, and it's probably one of the main things we think of when it comes to music, even though maybe we're not even sure what it is, hardly. 
I'm going to define harmony as the pitch and then following through on the melody of the song. So listen closely here. How many of you can hear the difference between this and this? Were those sounds different? Yeah, and I know there again, if you find that challenging, that's fine. Some people have their struggle in that area, but the, that was an octave difference there. And so we call that pitch. I'm gonna sound different if I start there than if I go, which is a little hard for me anyways. Uh, but, uh, so pitch, and then that follows through the, th uh, like we mentioned, the chords on down through the song. The various tones coming together to form a harmonious sound is what we call harmony. Harmony is built and are destroyed by rhythm or te and tempo. And what I'm saying is if you get your rhythm wrong and you're singing too fast or too slow, it's going to make it harder to have harmony, right? And that's why we have all these things is for people that want to sing together. It helps them work together on the same page. It'd be a little bit like uh, me putting a garage door up with Marvin. And, you know, Marvin and I are a bit different. Uh, we have different speeds and different ways of doing stuff. And so, you know, if we don't find out a way to have harmony, that garage door, I'm probably putting it apart he's not ready for yet or he's taking down something he thought I did wrong, you know. And uh, that's what this is all about is trying to work together on it. Um, mentioned chords already. Then the next one I'm going to put up is uh, dynamics. So dynamics is how this works together, basically. Together, rhythm, tempo, and harmony make dynamics. I'm going to describe dynamics as the, now not the tone necessarily in the pitch, but the tone and the timbre of the music, the feel the song has, right? Amazing Grace has a little different feel than on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, right? Rightly so. That's a different tone and timbre is what I'm referring to there. Um, I'm H-A-P-P-Y is different than, um, I was thinking of an Easter song, can't, low in the grave he lay, uh, different. Uh, and so I didn't necessarily go check all this, but they likely have a different rhythm, at least to some extent, a different, they for sure have a different tempo, but they also have a, the, the harmony, while they still harmonize with the way they're written, the dynamics of the song. And some people call this voice color. One of my good friends would use that term. Uh, loud, soft, anticipatory, in anticipation, or broken, happy, sad. That's what we're talking, where this all comes together. And you can have this to some extent without, again, necessarily having even words. Uh, we haven't even got to that part yet. Let's see if I can find this one real quick for you. Uh, I think it's here. So in that, we had rhythm, right? We had a tempo, it's a little on the slow. We had harmony, the different tones sounded good together. And we, so therefore we had dynamics because it was preparing us for what the next words were, which is still, still, still. 
Uh, it's a Christmas song. And so we had all four of those without any words. And that's why I'd like to point out people that just say the only thing you look at in a song is the words or the lyrics they're called are missing something because when you have these working together, it, it creates a mood, doesn't it? It does for me. It creates a mood of expectation of something. And so then the last one I sure can't miss, of course, is the musical term for it is lyrics. To those of you that don't want to get buried alive with information, just call them the words and the message of the song, and that's fine with me. Um, basically, that's what it means. Words. So not all songs necessarily have words, uh, just like that bit of a showed you, especially if you're into instrumental music, there's probably more so with words. We have some humming, and I have some that, uh, yeah, basically humming or pronouncing a syllable without really saying a word. But lyrics are generally considered part of music. Most songs connect to them at some point. And I will just simply say one thing I'd like to point out on all this is I really like what my one friend said, and I'll share it again later. But uh, let's just put it this way. Message should be master. Message should be master. And without, I'll save some of this for another time. But what you can have and what's happening in some of Christian contemporary music and so on is they're taking the rhythm, the tempo, the harmony, and the dynamics of popular contemporary songs. And then they're putting the lyrics of hymns or gospel songs to them and calling it something great. And so you're basically, I'm not going to say all of it's wrong. I'm not necessarily trying to say all it's wicked. And like I said, we can dig into it some more. But basically, you have a package that promises one thing and delivers something else. If I was to put it real brief. Uh, and I have a friend, good friend, he used to work with a big Pentecostal church in Jonesboro. And, you know, that's one thing that bothered him to the extent that he actually left his church. And he's pastoring a small church now up in um, Missouri. But was that very process. And not only, he said, not only did it happen that... They were taking the rhythm, the tempo, the harmony, and the dynamics of worldly songs and superimposing them onto church songs. But he said they lived their life that way. In that it didn't stop with the music. They lived like rock music through the week, and on Sunday they sang Christian songs. You follow me? And that's where some of this can go. I'm not here trying to make sweeping statements just to give you a little glimpse of how this can work together in as simple a form as I'm capable of at least. So one quick question to ask yourself, do the rhythm, the tempo, the harmony, and the dynamics support or take away from the message, the lyrics of the song? So why is this important? What do these things, what, especially thinking of the, the one through four now, what are they connecting to within us? What's the big deal about music? Why can't we just focus on the thing? Here's the thing. What do these connect to? How and why does music speak to us? And that's probably going to be somewhat the title of the next message. Would you say that we as mankind, man, woman, are simple or complex beings? And most of us sort of complex. Uh, so being a complex being, if we were to 
try to dissect you. Uh, I did that in, in a class one time, took a frog apart to see how it was made. So if we were trying to, what makes you tick, I used in a message. If we try to figure out why you do the things you do, what are the three main parts that we can't necessarily find by dissecting, so I'm going to let you hold. But uh, what, what are the three things that make us complex? Can you tell me? I'm sorry? Emotions. Okay, so we have emotions or mental. I call it mental slash emotional. What else? That's one physical. level of awareness, okay. Uh, we have the physical spiritual. and the spiritual. Okay, so quickly, the body, the physical, relates to the world around us through sight, sound, smell, touch, and taste, right? That's how you relate with your physical body. Your mental, your emotional, you relate through your conscience, through your reason, through your imagination, through your memory, and through your affection. In the spirit, we relate in love, faith, hope, and reverence. Or lacking those as a Christian, you will then be relating in selfishness, pride, rebellion, bitterness, and unbelief. And what fascinates me is if we look at songs, yes, lyrics are a great place to start. I'm not saying don't consider the words. But look at the words. You know, one thing that unchristlike music has is things that I already mentioned where in the spirit it's promoting Anything but love, faith, hope, and reverence. It's promoting selfishness, pride, rebellion, bitterness, and unbelief. And when the words do, you better believe it, the rest of this follows. It's twisted. I'm not saying that there's no song out there that's bad words sung to a good tune. There likely is all sorts of confusion. And that they do it on purpose sometimes to drive, draw people in in various shapes, in various ways. At the same time, it's all connected. Um, you know, today I cannot distinctly separate myself into th these three divisions. I can't put my body over here and set my mental and emotional process on the pulpit here and my spiritual body over here and say, now, you see, uh, that's, how they, that's, who, that's that part of me, now here's this part of me. But they relate together. And here's the interesting thing. It has what I call spillover in that what's happening in my spiritual life affects my mental and emotional, doesn't it? When you're struggling, let's say you've failed spiritually somehow. It affects you emotionally, doesn't it? It makes it harder, not only on the spiritual side, which is included, but it makes it harder to be patient with my children. It makes it harder to have a smile on my face if my walk with God isn't right. That's what we call spillover. And just the same way, it's interesting, I think I might have told you this, but I'll repeat it. Um, I have a book that really fascinates me where a medical doctor said 66% of the people that came to his office had spiritual or emotional issues that were showing up in the physical and they wanted a pill to fix it because they now had a physical problem how about that so almost one third of just a third of what he was treating he was actually treating the what he felt was the real problem other times he was simply putting a band-aid on top of a cut that was festering down underneath So moving on, music as an expression, I said, is how I prefer to think of music. Music as an expression becomes more than communication in that it not merely gives expression to an idea or thought, but it seeks to compel participation through a complete physical, mental, and spiritual involvement. I'm not saying that it always does, but it's, that's what music, that's the real goal of music. 
is to involve you completely. You know, guess what? When an artist can sell, an artist out there can sell an album that somebody puts in their car, and they're like, you know what? They have a repeat customer. They do. Because that person becomes hooked on it just as surely as you can get hooked on a drug or anything else. So music as an expression is more than communication because it's, it's, it's compelling participation. Just watch those people. Of the physical, of the mental, and of the spiritual. In these expressions, or because of these expressions, I would say the influence and the power of music lies because it's an expression that involves us really on all levels of our being more than most things. You can read a book, and you say, ah, I don't believe that. I'm not saying you should do a lot of this, but ah, he's just not right. He don't know what he's saying. You can do that a little bit more detachedly than you can really involve yourself in music and walk away unaffected. Not necessarily doing recommending either. I'm just saying if you really involve yourself in music, it's going to have a bit more influence sing power. So moving on, Johann Sebastian Bach said this, and I really like it. One of my friends shared it with me. The aim and the final end of all music is and should be none other than the glory of God and the refreshment of the soul. So it's not saying I think there is a place to sing for refreshment of the soul. But let's remember it came from God and it belongs to God. And as we use it, just so many of the things I've been trying to tell you about music, honestly, relate directly to the way we use finances, relate directly to the way we use technology and consume media, because the principles are very parallel. The aim and final end of all music should be none other than the glory of God and the refreshment of the soul. Just to read Colossians 3, 10 through 7, partial paraphrase, listen closely. Put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where Christ is all and in all. Have therefore as the chosen of God, holy and beloved, hearts of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are called in one body and be ye thankful let the word of christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your heart to the lord whatsoever ye do in word or deed do all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god and the father by him what filter do you rely on ask you that the other day what diet am i on what's my diet made of Let's kneel for prayer.